You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. World Talk Radio. Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water and global warming. Time Magazine this last year, the person of the year was selected to be you. And I believe that you are the person of the year, and this whole wide world exists because of you. We make a difference, and don't think we each don't. It's so important to the ecosystem and to your everyday life. That's how important you are to everything you do and everyone you're around, your health, your attitude, everything about you, what you want for the future of your generations to come. And that's how important you are to Time Magazine. I truly believe that maybe my evaluation, excuse me, is that Time Magazine believes that you are, and I, you are important to generations and generations to come to make this earth, this whole wide world, important to each and every one. Uh, I am concerned about you and your knowledge of your health and what you understand about global warming it's not a political issue. It's a lot. It's really a lot of fun to learn. And once you learn a little bit, you'll add that to your daily life of knowledge in your family, and maybe that will become vulnerable and a little contagious and become a pay-it-forward to others to want to learn, too, because Earth matters and you matter to me. Today we're going to have a lot of fun. I am invited my staff to do something. We're going to talk about global warming. I have Dylan, Charlotte, Annette, and Randy in art. And we're going to ask them, and they don't know about this, what they have learned about global warming and what they would like to learn and what they believe they could offer to themselves and their family. And our second guest today is Dominique Gardia, the Public Affairs Officer, Education Outreach in Maui, uh, the national park system there. So we should have a very exciting day uh, here together to uh, to learn as much as we can. Uh, I think we'll take a break for our first commercial. And we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866 613-1612 or if outside the USA and Canada dial 001-858-268-3068 Welcome to the Sharon Klein Hour and today we have my staff has uh, politely said that they would help work with our show today on some very exciting new education and questions that I'd like to learn more about people and what they're thinking about global warming. I think it's been too confused to everyone, and there's a common sense here that's been going on since the end of the ice age. And Charlotte, are you with us? 
yes. Good morning, Sharon. Can you hear me fine? Yes, I can. Thank you. Good. Well, thank you for doing this. Okay. Charlotte, um, I was excited about talking about nothing but global warming today and see what each individual has learned about global warming. And let's start out by, say, asking you, what have you learned about global warming? Well, this is a subject I believe very deeply about and feel very deeply about. I mean, even every day I think about it when I drive to work 20 miles, uh, that I am uh, part of the polluting uh, populace. And I also, I feel that this is exactly what you said about this is something that is beyond politics and it's beyond um, our human differences. And I believe that we as a nation in the world um, and as living on this wonderful planet Earth, we have to come together and do something about it. Now, when you mentioned, uh, and once in a while I'll ask you a question on something you've said, when you've said uh, that you believe that coming to work and then polluting and the concerns you have with that coming to work um, and the fact that you believe that all of us should not make this a political issue, which is so sad uh, because for some reason it's been discussed for quite some time, but whenever people take a, uh, let's say, an advocate stand mm-hmm. to publicize heavily their concerns, we do think about the politics of what's going on and how much money they're raising to do this. In other words, there's a lot of foundations and grants that support that kind of advocate. Um, what do you believe, Charlotte, and then that's, it's wonderful that you're taking this responsibility. Uh, do you have any concerns about that have confused you about anything, you personally, because you do already think about it daily. Is there something they're doing out there that's confused you? Well, I know there's a lot of things happening in the world, such as the meltdown of the Arctic and the polar bears uh, losing their habitat, as well as many other wildlife species up there. Uh-huh. Uh, what concerns me in the world is the deforestation of the Amazon, uh, there's also deforestation going on in China, Cambodia, uh, in some parts of Africa. So you're talking about the extreme deforestation. Yes, deforestation. exactly. Yeah. Which we need Did you know there was a report recently, and we're all going to hear, that's why I wondered if you had anything you were reading that one way it says one way, and then you're reading about another one that says another direction, but they were saying that if you, if you, don't, have, if you, don't, have, if you have too many trees, the trees... Uh, uh, put so much water and moisture into the air warmth, that'll even cause more global warming. So they're, they're confused out there on what they're saying, and that's why I say uh, people are having a debate on do they agree, and these are scientists. Well, I think deforestation is a radical way of it's a very controlling radical. the forest. I think if yeah. they could do it... A, uh, in a in a controlled way where it would cut down on forest fires and things and yet give us the wood that we need to to build things and make paper and um and do all sorts of things that we do with uh with wood um i just would like to mention that about a month ago i did see the um al gore film uh, the inconvenient truth and I looked at it just from a human being point of view. I didn't look at it as, you know, him being a former politician 
who did run for president. Uh, I look at it as, as his, it was a documentary as far as I could see. He won the Academy Award for the documentary. Yes, that, it did. Writers, and I, yeah. I want to just look, I, I heard other people, I got pros and cons on it, but I just wanted to look at it in my mind's eye and say, this is the truth. This is really what is happening mm-hmm. to our earth. And mm-hmm. We as people need to do something about it, and I try in my own way. In the film, uh, Charlotte, what was one of the, let's start out with number one concern that you were educated about, the number one, and we'll work down to at least two, two more. Well, the have pollution a major concern that, is that caused was by out of the, all of it. The greatest pollution that I know uh, that came out of there was the automobile, mm-hmm. and um Hopefully, these hybrid cars are going to come down in price, and I will be a participant in helping. Did it it mention anything there that you thought about other countries of the world that have a lot of population in automobiles? Well, I was thinking the United States. In other words, other parts of the world have to also be part of this. Right. I think China, you know, they're in the forefront of uh, really becoming very, very industrial. and have been for the past, what, 20 years or so, and everyone now over there has a car instead of a bicycle. Uh (laughs) And we're talking, I don't know, 9 billion people? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, that is really... China has 1.2 billion. Is it 2 billion? 1.2. Okay, all right. Well, once it gets up there, it's pretty, it's a lot. It's a lot of cars and a lot of industrial, yes. And that, it will affect the whole wide world. Right. Well, our summers are hotter. I, I can feel that. Uh, uh-huh. It seems like our what winters are, you, are getting what colder. Do you, what, from what your concerns have been and your learning, and of course we're not able to talk for long term right. here today, and we'll do this again, but um, what do you think are some of the education that should be provided for more people to learn, uh, to try to get away from the politics so people don't confuse it? What, what type of ideas would you have for education? Well, I think if one gets just down to their daily life and conserving water and just living uh, a life where being conscious and mindful of what we are consuming, um, I am very conscious of what I buy. I try not to buy in containers. And I try to buy uh, organic because so you're trying to take better care of your health. So knowing if you're if you're taking better care of your health, that also uh, affects the ecosystem. If you're healthier and you're working to be a healthier person on this earth, you can make a healthier ecosystem. Well, Is that what you're trying to yeah, do? Yeah, an example. Yeah, I think leading by example and just trying to yes, because example. it's sort of overwhelming if one thinks about it at, on a global thing. If, but if I can come back to my own daily life and using biodegradable soap in my laundry and trying to hang my wash out and, you know, little things that seem little, but if everyone starts thinking about Well, and trying to live with the earth and not, not thinking the earth's going to live with you. Um, something I think uh, that I've evaluated, and we're going to learn more on this show as time goes by about it, but... Uh, people forget they are individually part of the ecosystem. They're yes. affecting the ecosystem no different than your automobile singly singled out. Mm-hmm. And I believe that people have to realize that 1.1 billion people are in, de- in developing companies have inadequate access to safe waters 
and 6,000 children are dying every day because of poor sanitation, and sanitation is vital, and you need water for sanitation. A diet uh, every day, you must drink a lot of water to flush and, and, and eliminate the toxins in your body. It's water, d- drinking water that does that. Uh, but people are forgetting, I think, that each individual is affecting the ecosystem themselves. Yes. Is that something to think about, isn't it? Yes. No different than your automobile uh, singly does. And uh, this is something we hope that people will learn new habits and want to learn as much as we can. Uh, We are here soon going to have an online Moisture for Life uh, health education magazine after every show so that people can come in, read our evaluations, and learn to email us in and add to what they think we should be learning about or questions they may have. Well, Charlotte, I want to thank you for being with us today. Oh, well, thank you. And I appreciate your concerns and your paying forward, and I'm sure you're going to be a good example to all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Have a nice day, Charlotte. Well, we just had Charlotte, one of our uh, staff members who is very much in tune to her health and health issues, and uh, it is very important, and I think... You just got an evaluation of what her thinking is about uh, global warming. Um, One thing you need to learn is that uh, flushing every day is of your body and drinking water, and you personally have a lot to contribute to just with thinking about better health and releasing that stress. Um, Now, do we have another guest on the line at the moment? I think we're going to have to wait for a second. We do. Annette. Yes. Have you joined us? Yes, I have. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Annette, what have you heard about global warming? Well, um, you know, I've heard both sides of the story, and I haven't really formed my own solid opinion because both of them are very convincing. But I do have a question about... Now, I'm going to back you up, and I will, in, uh, I will interrupt once in a while. When yes. you say both, yes. our listeners and I want to know what are both. Well, I've heard the pros... Okay, what's the pro you're hearing? There is a man-made reason for global warming. Okay, and the other side? The other side is that it's a natural occurrence and that there's a cycle and that we're not in any kind of abnormal cycle that is to be expected. So I've heard both of them. It's interesting, and I I really don't know. um, I have not formed an opinion Okay, but what is your thinking about the common sense for you personally? Well, the common sense is that we do live in a world that is um, inundated with man-made fossil fuel uh, emissions, the different effects. You know. So you're are, thinking that maybe man caused this? Well, um, I don't know, that I, but I believe that there has to be some kind of effect by the pollution and the different... Um, do you think it's possible that man could probably make it better? Oh, I believe uh, because uh, because remember this is the whole Earth we're talking about the whole wide world. Right. Um, there is there are scientists and you'll hear them as time goes by on our show that are going to say that it, this is a, a normal cycle that Earth is going through. But what can man do to make this even better and healthier for us while we're going through this for a long term? Mm-hmm. Because this is not going to be a short term cycle with mm-hmm. nature on this Earth with global warming. Um, so. If you're th- if you have two that you're thinking about, what what is some of your personal evaluation for you to make it better for you, make your health better? 
Well, I think, you know, on a, a small scale, um, just taking care, being more consciously aware of, of how you live, um, how you treat the earth, what your the choices that you make, make sure that they are adding to the benefit of the earth and your your environment. And, um, you know, just try to be as benign in your choices as possible. I was curious whether you have any um, input as to the long-term effect of global warming on vision and health. Um, does it really, does it, is there some kind of a detriment to the warming? Well, I'm a believer in my research all these years, and I started long ago, over 25 years ago, uh, in my research in water and hydrotherapy that the air is dry. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the air is dry, and as, you, as everybody knows, throughout the world that knows of our company, Biologic Aqua, and what we do, that the earth is dry, and you must have moisture coming from the air every moment, that moisture you don't see. It's almost like the dew coming down you don't see Mm -hmm. uh, to live and lubricate and detoxify, and eyes must have that 100% as your skin must. Indoor conditions are just as dry, and uh, if not drier. And I have been pointing out, Annette, that when you walk indoors after being outdoors, with all the education you're receiving about the extreme outdoors, but in more extreme indoors, with forced air, heating and cooling, insulated windows and walls, chemistry in your synthetics, your, your clothing, your detergents and your bedding and your walls, paint and more, I have learned that, that we're, we're dry. And yeah. man has a tendency to go to an extreme rather than hitting the middle. So I've been concerned about the eyes, as everybody all over the world knows, too, because if you haven't, cannot see uh, and your eyesight is poor, what is that doing to affect the rest of your health? Right. And I think there's more behind that than we've recognized in the past. And, of course, that's part of our research that we're uh, trying to evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think you, the edu- what education you are needing to learn more about eye education, health of the eyes? Yes. Uh, what do you know about uh, the health issues of different people you know that have been talking about their symptoms and and all? Do you think it has something to do with the global the changes of our weather, the global warming, and do you think there's any possibility that it could have any influence on us? Well, I, you know, I think that we can't look at the earth just as I feel the same way about our body as, unless you're looking at us as a holistic, in a holistic view. Anything that we do to the um, earth is going to have some kind is a, impact every area of it because uh-huh. it is a whole organism. It's a whole entity. And so mm-hmm. I think that it has to be all-encompassing, you know, the, uh-huh. the environment, the pollution. It all has, even if it's a small um, geographical um, effect in your area, it has some kind of an impact. Mm-hmm. So what do you know, have you learned about how important water is to the global? Have you heard anything in any of your reading or reports about water and global warming? No question. Water. Okay, uh, well, to the education there. Yes, I can't. Uh, that water, it's a crisis of water. Right. That when uh, the Ice Age completed its, uh, its evolution in time, we began what's called a warming trend on Earth from there on for these thousands of years. 
and water is life on earth. Without it, we all would not be here. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening to the earth's surface, it's getting warmer. The surface, like the surf, think of earth's surface like the surface of your own skin. Mm-hmm. When you look at the soil and you look at the surface of the earth, wherever your vision and distance may look, there's a surface there, and it's getting warmer. And when the precipitation, the dew, the sleet, the rains, the snow, and whatever comes down and touches that surface of the skin of the earth, it's getting warmer and, and not absorbing the way it should. And earth must have the absorption of moisture like you have to have absorption of real water moisture, not the cream, not the oil, not, not a chemistry. It's got to be real water is moisture. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when the earth is getting warmer, we're, we're getting, uh, and the evaporation of water is, is, is causing uh, a depletion of water, it's, not evap- it's evaporating so quickly. We're getting that little carbon dioxide in different parts of the earth much stronger, much more affluent, affluent to us than uh, we ever imagined. And that's one of the concerns they've had. And a big issue, Time Magazine came out with a big story of uh, water and what is happening. And uh, what is happening is 1.1 billion people lack adequate water worldwide. Can you imagine what's going to happen in time, Annette? Yes. And that's probably the greatest alarm that I have. Is it, it is an alarm, and we, but we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Annette, well, thank for calling you. in. I appreciate, I appreciate it. And if you have any further questions, uh, We'll uh, talk about it later. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. You have a nice day, Annette. Bye. We'll take a break right now for our sponsor. Thank you. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Welcome back to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. Today we have a very exciting uh, segment that I think you'll be learning a lot about what people are learning about individually, about global warming and what their concerns are and what their understanding as a definition of what global warming means. Uh, I said that uh, it is vital for you to learn more about it, and we're encouraging more questions. And uh, today we have different individuals calling in, and we're going to ask them, have you heard about global warming? And Dylan, are you on the line with us? Good morning, Sharon. Yeah, can you speak up a little louder? Good morning. Yeah, can you speak up a little louder? Can you hear me now? I can now. Thank you, Dylan. Pardon me. Have you heard about global warming? I know a very small um, portion of what's in the media right now as far as global warming. I'm familiar with the two causes, of course, natural and man-made, um, I believe so the media that... is what's educating you? Basically. Okay. The small amount of time that I have to be aware of uh, outside sources would come from the media. 
Mm-hmm. And um, as the so political side So what do you think is... you would like to learn, and, and what would be some of your questions to learn about what you just said, something about two subject matters, and, and what are the subject matters, the two of them, that you've learned? What are your subject matters? Do you think one is man-made and one is natural? Um, one of them being from possibly from overpopulation, overpopulation or at least our growing population. And the other one is what? Um, natural sources. Natural sources. So you think that some of it that you've been learning is overpopulation possibly and maybe overpopulation of people moving around with automobiles and modern lifestyle. Is that what you're thinking? Yes. Okay. Um, you are probably curious, though, about what it means. Uh, have you had any concerns about wanting – are you confused a little bit? Are you confused about it if you haven't heard a lot about it and you've been getting it more from the media? Is there something confusing there to you that you'd like to learn more about? Um, I just see both sides being um, broadcast, a lot of that being political. So that kind of scares me away because there's always um, – particular parties that it's in their best interest of... Hey, you just said Ooh. something that is fascinating, and I'm, uh, again, listeners, we, we've never talked to our uh, uh, callers before they call in. Uh, you just said something that might be confusing to many people that are very busy people. They don't have a lot of time to study. You just thought that maybe it's confusing because the media, and there could be a political, uh, confu- something politically confusing there. And describe that to our listeners, what you think is confusing you because the political side of it that's bothering you a little bit. Um, again, I'm not that familiar. I don't follow it uh, strongly. But what I do hear is just, um, it's just so, it seems so politically um, broadcast that I kind of steer away from it. I do, do you think my that part. that could be happening to a lot of people, Dylan? Pardon me? Do you think a lot of people might be shying away from wanting to learn more because they think it's political? Um, yes, I do. Um, I have the to media in general you, is kind of uh, biased on many different uh, subjects. That I've are... been studying uh, for many years uh, water, hydrotherapy, nature, and common sense, and I've watched that people are thinking it's a political stand for someone to, uh, people to get a lot of attention and probably a lot of money too, but right. uh, to do it, but um, it is uh, confusing. Um, that's why I was curious. Uh, there's got to be a lot of people like yourself that don't have time to study or, or evaluate, and whatever they're hearing, they're almost believing that this is political. It is, and then of course it isn't. Um, Dylan, the Earth cycle after the Ice Age started another cycle, and the Earth is warming all naturally with or without us, and it will happen with or without us. And uh, we're living with Earth. It's not going to live with us. And the nature of all this is what is so so concerning for myself and wanting people to understand how important all of you are to me and why I wanted this, uh, the Power of Water uh, show and global warming and health education is learning more about your health to live with this changing Earth. Can you imagine, Dylan, if you lived to be 200 years old, what would be your health concerns 200 years from now if you live that long with a global warming? Well, I would say just in the next 10 years, my concerns are naturally, um, I've, I've recently noticed that our summers are becoming unbearably hot, and I'm used to a very changeable climate here in Oregon. However, they've become extremely 
extreme, extreme hot in the summer, extreme colds in the winter. Um, so that's kind of an open concern of mine, just kind of watching that. Um, in the next 10 years, though, the clean drinking water, um, our air here, again, in Oregon, is known to be so clean, so clear. And here we are kind of noticing that change um, intermediately throughout the year, and that is scary. I love it out here. Mm-hmm. And um, to hear, well, you know, the pollution level is fairly high this particular week, that's concerning because I've lived here my whole life. I've enjoyed these pleasures of the clean um, clean air, non-pollution, and it's virtually non-existent out here. And then to see it kind of peak, it's like, it's very so that's scary. in your you're starting to notice now because of the media you're starting to take a notice of what is happening with global warming it's coming to your mind right well Dylan thank you for joining us today uh, and if we have any more questions uh, if you ever have any more questions please uh, let's talk about it again later uh, I believe that this is very exciting for everybody to learn what you are thinking too about global warming have a nice day Dylan thank you Sharon you too. We have another caller, Dave, on the line. Um, Dave, are you there? Yes, I am. Um, we're talking today about global warming, and I appreciate you calling in. And, and I told everybody we're talking to our staff here and, and what they think about global warming. And our first, my first question, Dave, is what have you heard about global warming? Well, certainly, as we all um, on the evening news and newspapers, um, it's certainly a very controversial uh, subject and uh, more so controversial in the developing nations. For instance, I'm looking uh, a couple of hours ago, China is backpedaling on their Kyoto Agreement, saying that uh, they'll tackle global warming, but not at the expense of their economy, which is basically the same position that the U.S. Uh, has taken in uh, burying their head in the sand. Um, not now, only... let's, for our listeners to understand, uh, China, um, we've all known that China is going to continue uh, their industrial economy uh, because of the 1.2 billion people that they have to support. What do you, have you learned about the cars that they're driving, the water resources, and their sanitation? Uh, on the global warming, because of global warming. What have you learned? Have you learned anything about that? Well, not really other than uh, understanding if you take the uh, experience of the U.S. going through the industrial uh, age, that China is certainly doing that on a uh, uh, more contemporary uh, uh, stage, but the same basic fundamental uh, heavy industry as well as light industry in relation to electronics and uh, manufacturing. Uh, certainly they're experiencing uh, similar things in relation to not only polluting uh, the air but their uh, waterways and mm-hmm. uh, just being able to accommodate uh, uh, an incredibly large population, uh, the waste that is uh, developed uh, with that many people. Uh, certainly is extraordinarily challenging. Um, but now the concerns on, about when you're thinking that way, what is your concerns connected to that because of your education about global warming? Um, um, what have you learned about global warming, Dave? Uh, what is global, what's the definition of global warming to you? Well, it's fundamentally a change in the 
uh, atmosphere uh, that surrounds the Earth and that uh, change uh, how it affects uh, every living thing on Earth. Um, when do you think the first time you had ever heard the two words global warming? How long ago was that? Oh, it's got to be at least 20 years ago. Okay. Um, and it's just been winding lately? Pardon? Now you're more, you're no more aware because of the media? Well, more, more aware because of the changes in the world, both the political and the uh, uh, eco-political changes in the world. Uh, and, you know, I recall uh, many, many years ago when the clear, massive clear-cutting of the forests in Brazil and other areas of South America, the concern that was raised then in relation to uh, not only global warming but the effect on uh, the atmosphere as that relates to then uh, the effect of weather, weather changing, and we're we're certainly experiencing weather changes uh, here in recent years. Um, I think one of the biggest problems is that the U.S. really hasn't taken any leadership role whatsoever. As a matter of fact, just um, a few days ago, they reduced the monitoring ability with U.S. satellites uh, for monitoring global warming symptoms. So, again, that's putting your head deeper in the sand and ignoring what is really happening. Now, on have you uh, heard that on, now remember, we're ha- even our uh, t- people that are calling in today and all of the education I've been watching, people are a little confused because they think there's two sides to all this. Um, when we're thinking about uh, issues about different countries of the world and what they're doing to take a serious stand to prepare for the future. Uh, do you believe this is a political issue, or do you think this is something that t- scientists are even disagreeing with? Well, certainly scientists uh, are disagreeing with it. Uh, as you go through the literature and if you do um, uh, any Internet search, you'll definitely see the pros and cons. Um, however, when you uh, do read the pro Section they use more scientific-based uh, data and information to be persuasive in their viewpoint. When you read the con scientific uh, con viewpoint, uh, there's virtually no scientific data. They just seem to ignore mm-hmm. any changes that occur, uh, and rather than they grasping onto uh, a global warming theme, uh, they end up with kind of nondescript descriptions of what isn't happening rather than uh, addressing the real issue of what is happening and then how to interpret that. So, uh, again, uh, as you have surgeons that will disagree on what type of surgeries to do. Uh, and that's how uh, we're confused today. Yeah, yeah, it really I mean, is. And that's wonderful, too. I mean, there's all directions of evaluations that you look at something for your different theories, let's say, uh, to come to conclusions. But... Um, Dave, thank you for uh, participating with this today. And I know in the future we're, you're going to have some more questions, and we're going to we're going to put those questions on our shelf from now on with many listeners. Well, thank you very have a much, nice day, Dave. Well. Thank you. We are going to take a moment uh, with our sponsor, but I want to remind all of our listeners: this is exciting. Everybody has a different opinion or view, or have been learning more uh, about global warming 20 years ago up to today. So this is not a new issue. And I'm concerned about your health uh, and how you're going to live with your health on this earth. And I hope that you can learn more with our show each week. We're going to take a moment for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dominic. 
Cardia, who is from Maui. We'll see you in a minute. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to the Sharon Klein Hour, and we have a special guest on today that I've been very excited to bring on, Dominique Cardia. Are you there, Dominique? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for joining us. And you're early in the morning over in Maui. Yes, it's uh, 7.35, 7.45 here today. Right well, thank you for joining our listeners today. It's a worldwide uh, show. And uh, we're excited for the globe, everybody, to hear about where you're coming from. And can I get you to pronounce for us the national park name in Maui? Yes, it's Haleakala National Park. <laughs> Would you say that again? Hale Akala, House of the Sun. Hale Akala, of the La Sun. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So there's only 13 letters in Hawaiian, so it should be twice. <laughs> yeah, so. And how long have you lived there? I've uh, been in Hawaii for six years, and I've been here in Maui for three. And you chose to be in the, uh, with the National Park System, and what I always do this, uh, Dominic. Why did you choose to be with the National Park System? Uh, because I believe they're an agency and an organization that is a very meaningful in our society. I think uh-huh. I'm fighting the good fight, and I think that, you are right. that we're out here doing the good things, and, and I just love being in the national parks. I believe uh, what I'm excited about, Dominic, we've had uh, Bill Jackson, who is the Division Chief Water Operations of the National Park System within the United States, and we've had uh, the Olympic National Park Director up in Port Angeles, Washington. We've had him over in um, the Everglades in Florida. And I want our listeners to know people should never take your job and what you're all doing for granted. You volunteered, let's say, to be, take a profession on to help us on this earth to make it last for eternity. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, let's thank educate you. our listeners about the park system and what is uh, in Maui. So you want to talk about what we're doing here? Yes, what you're doing, and maybe give us a vision of a picture of how it looks and what you're doing to preserve it. <laughs> well, we've got 30,000 acres on top of a 10,000-foot mountain in the middle of the Pacific. If you look at a map of Hawaii, you'll notice that we're the now farthest let's point let's away from any for a minute. It's, a, it's a how many acres? Uh, just over 30,000. On top of a mountain? Yep, 10,000 ah. feet. And the ocean's around it. Uh, Pacific Ocean, the closest landmass is 2,500 miles away. This is the most isolated place on Earth if you look at just distance from one thing to another. So we got a small group of islands, but then we're pretty far away, which is one of the real stories that we have about 
um, what this place is all about, its isolation and um, the people that got here and, of course, the organisms that, that live on the volcanoes. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the flowers and the species that are there, tell us a little bit about uh, that what you have there. That is there anything there that other islands or other parts of the world don't have? Well, one of the statistics that we flip around, but bigger, best, most, but uh, I'll go ahead and do it, is... Uh, we have what we call endemic species, so species that exist no, nowhere else in the world except for Hawaii and nowhere else in the world except for Maui and nowhere else in the world except for this national park. So we have some of the largest concentration of endemic species within the borders that only exist within the borders of the national park in the world. Now, our listeners might not understand what endemic species are. Yeah, so you have native species, which okay. belong here naturally, and we have invasive species or non-native species. So non-native species is anything that was brought in for us after uh, essentially um, the 1900s. When was Maui? When did it discovered? Oh, uh, we were part of the Cook Expedition when they came by 1798. Okay. So you've got um, anything that was brought in after that is non-native. Anything that... Um, got here on its own is native. Anything that got here on its own but does not occur anywhere else in the world is endemic. So we have a lot of coastal strand plants like nalpaca and hala and some palms that are native because mm-hmm. they float in the ocean and they get here to Maui. But then you have the mountain varieties, the kuahivi, so the nalpaca kuahivi is the, the variety of plant that exists nowhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of flowers, I bet. Um, you would be surprised. Most of the things that people know Hawaii for, the big, huge, beautiful flowers and bananas and pineapples and stuff, aren't from here. So your image of what Hawaii is is probably really different than what the reality is. And one of the great things about Haleakala is that we have sections um, preserved all the way from the ocean, essentially the coastal area, all the way 10,000 feet up this mountain, and the native ecosystems are are preserved inside there. So mm-hmm. essentially it's like if you drive from uh, Baja, California to Canada, those are the amounts of ecosystems that we have in, a, in about a two-hour drive here on Maui. Oh, my, that's a fascinating. Ah. So what do you do to preserve it? Is it all closed off to a national park system? Well, I mean, I, I was listening into to your, your conversation about global climate change, and I think one of the main things that we do in this national parks are we provide a connection to the natural world. Mm-hmm. So people are able to come in, and that's that's a vital piece of our legislation. Um, it was the creation of the Organic Act in 1916, and so allowing people to come to these amazing places is part of what we do. The other thing of what we do is we we set other areas and we manage so that we're not going to be impairing them. So it's kind of a dual mission that's sort of hard in some ways to, to rectify, and, and the pendulum swings back and forth, but we... We allow people to come in, but then we also look at what people are doing and and try to make sure that they're not harming things. In the case of Haleakala, we have you know incredibly high elevation plants that are very sensitive, so we have a trail system that you know you can see those plants, but you're not allowed to like travel on the roots. Uh huh. Um, the other thing that we have in this particular park is we actually have a natural area reserve that is off limits, and it's off limits to the point where it's so remote that we have to helicopter people in because we don't want to bring the invasive seeds on our clothing. So oh. they even have separate clothes that they wear when they go into these places. Um, explain that to our listeners, what an invasive seed is. I'm sure no one's ever thought of that before. Well, if you think about it, anything that had to come here to Hawaii before there were airplanes or boats had to come by either the wind 
the wings of a bird or on the waves of the ocean. Okay. So traveling 2,500, you know, 5,000 miles is really difficult for an organism to survive. So by the time it makes it here to Hawaii, it then has an opportunity to essentially fill in any, there's no competition. So there's been a lot of changes that these plants and animals have gone through. So mm-hmm. they come in, and these are real rare, and they basically estimated that once every 30,000 or 40,000 years, a new species sort of occupies the um, the Hawaiian Islands. Uh-huh. Now you, you flash to the future, and, and here we are. There is um, about 500 different species that arrive on the islands a year. Every year? Every year. So oh, that's about fascinating. an ecosystem that had 40,000 years. No one's ever thought of that. Yeah, well, we think about it a lot. <laughs> So if you think about, you know, the different kinds of animals and plants that you have that are around from where you're from, they may be generalists. So a sparrow, for instance, is a a real generalist bird. Well, sparrows can carry disease. Right. They carry disease, but they also can outcompete the specialists Mm -hmm. that are here that are native. So our native Mm -hmm. birds are specialists of special plants. The invasive birds come in, and they either outcompete for food gathering or their predation in terms of getting in the nest. Or mm-hmm. um, they can now is in. that your uh, what is the and the species that live in the forest? Uh, you have birds and what other type of species? Having honey creepers, most of the, the the animals that you would think of as as mammals like mice and squirrels and bears and things like that. Uh-huh. Any of the ecological niches that were filled with mammals were filled by birds here in the Hawaiian Islands. So you don't have bears. We don't have bears. The only yeah, mammal is a bat, which is the ape ape, which is you a, have a bat, a bat, and it blew in, and it actually has to um, fly up the mountain to Do get you have any, enough to like, hibernate. Uh, any um, and, um, lions? I mean, not lions, tigers. Nothing uh, like that. Lions. No, no mammals at all. But then, unless that? somebody brings one, so cats are a good example. People bring their cat, right? Cats have a four to six mile range, depending on how crazy your cat is. But the cat now, I do know Hawaii until recently had everybody ha- had to quarantine their animals. Still do. They and still do. Long. How long is the quarantine? If they want well, to move to, go to a, Maui or in any of the Hawaiian Islands, how, what is the, how long is the quarantine? You have to put your animal um, through a series of rabies shots. So if you go through the, the procedures, you can keep your animal in quarantine for a week. But it's a six-week, six I think three months. Now, what about, do you have any uh, lizards or anything like that? Well, we have geckos and... Um, I was going to say because of the, tro- uh, the tropical... Right, but those are brought in. Those are non-native. Okay, they're not native. So the lizards are eating some of the native insects. And so the invertebrates is actually one of the incredible stories of diversity that we have in the park. So we have um, carnivorous caterpillars and we have mm-hmm. happy... Well, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects. You've probably heard of... Uh, what I do, uh, and where, where I come from, but I have the name of the show is the power of water. Absolutely. And uh, the concerns that I have had in uh, water and hydrotherapy and, he- and all. And mm-hmm. um, but tell us about water. Well, in the Hawaiian <laughs> word for water is vi or why, depending on how you pronounce it. Now you have a lot of waterfalls. Lots of waterfalls. Um, what are you doing to Water them? is a, there's a poem that talks about the waters of life. Where are the waters of life? And it, says, look into the deep clouds, there is the waters of life. And look oh, over the mountains, and there is the beautiful. waters of life. And there in the forest, there are the waters of life. I can see you hula as you say it. Exactly. 
So you do be saying do, that yeah. it's a metaphor for, for what life is and essentially the water cycle that starts up at the top of our 10,000-foot mountain. We have, you know, the Pacific nice warm ocean slams into these big, huge mountains, and it just dumps. Oh, how beautiful. So the water comes down, and it's filtered through the native. Now, are you noticing any depletion of water? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So we have, you know, different systems that are going on, I think, um, more because of invasive species than because of um, any any change that we're noticing right now. Probably our biggest notice in terms of uh, global climate change would be the increased energy that allows for larger storm systems to come here. Okay. So, But the water system, the different non-native species that come in, for instance, a mesquite, which is from South America, mm-hmm. comes in and it, it taps into the, the water table and it sucks out the water. The other thing is the diversion for croplands. So a huge mm-hmm. portion of Hawaii's native ecosystem has mm-hmm. been converted into cropland, and that's mm-hmm. you know, the, pretty much the story of everywhere, right? If a person wanted to come to Maui, uh, is there a particular location, a park system that they could call, uh, uh, email, call, and make a reservation to go on a tour? Well, if you just come to the park, we have tours that go on every day. There's a certain um, special tour into the Waikamoi Forest Reserve that goes into a native forest. You can actually see when a native forest comes up. And you just call up the park at uh, 572-4400 and go through the phone tree about hiking. And that's what about children? If the family want to come and bring children to uh, not just come to enjoy your water recreation and your your tourism, but get into the understanding the park system and how beautiful uh, that part of our earth is, our world. Uh, is there something specifically that families could hear that's really exciting for children? Well, there's a junior ranger program, which is almost any. Oh, you have a junior ranger program. Absolutely. So you can come in and just um, you have a booklet for us, and then you do some of the activities, and then after the activities are done, you listen to a park ranger talk, and then oh. we do some stuff, and then you get a little badge for your kids. Oh, isn't that exciting? Now, I'm going to ask you, because um, I got off when I started to ask you, uh, what this, what may, why did you decide to become, what education did you take, and what made you decide to make this your profession? Well, I started a degree in geology at the University of Arizona. So okay. geology, geosciences, and ecology. I uh, was very interested in that kind of thing. Graduated, realized that with a degree in geology, I was either going to be in a mine or an oil platform or searching really beautiful places and figuring out where to put a mine or an oil platform. So that didn't really appeal to me. Um, I really love the study of geology. So I joined okay. the Peace Corps. Uh, while I was in the Peace Corps, somebody told me that um, I was able to how exciting you very were! Very well with some things, and then that I, before I had left for the Peace Corps, I had volunteered with the National Park, and so we had lots of volunteer opportunities in our national parks. And that now, when you were in the Peace Corps, where did you go? Bolivia. Oh, Bolivia! Huh. So spent two and a half years in Bolivia. Then I was a volunteer when I came back, and then with my ability to speak Spanish and um, my knowledge of um, geology and ecology, and because where I lived was in Tucson, and there was a national park. Oregon Pipe Cactus National Monument. That's where I got my my first end of the National Park Service. Wonderful. We have just about a minute left, and is there something you'd like to say to our listeners to, so they won't forget about Maui? Well, I think any of your national parks, get out and go see them. That's our big thing right now. We're just disconnecting from the natural environment. So go out and enjoy. These are your places. I mean, your tax dollars are paying for them. They're not mine. You, know, you thank me for taking care of them, and you took care of them. You know, we have a commitment to heritage, which goes on for 
hopefully hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. Eternity. Let's bring the word eternity back into like our vocabulary. So. <laughs> but I don't have the hubris to think that the human race is actually going to be around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just say, we're going to be doing it as long as we can. Uh-huh. So, well, yeah, I think that there. we all have to pay it forward. Absolutely. Did you ever see the movie Pay It Forward? I did not, but I heard Oh, you um, should. It, you'll love it. It's a little boy. and. And pay it forward. In other words, something good happens to you. Leave something to go forward always and, and try to encourage others to do so, too, Absolutely. which I believe you're doing with the National Park Systems in your lives. Well, thank you, Dominic, well. for being with us today. Yeah, thank you very much. You've got the good work, and uh, I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. Have a nice day. You're welcome. Bye. Well, we've learned a lot, and... Uh, I almost feel selfish in a way because I get to have the radio show each week and discuss my favorite subjects and trying to share that with you. And I believe you are that important, and I hope I can make a difference for you on your health matters and your health concerns and living with other people in your family and your, and your job and, and living. Even if you're going to the city to go shopping, you're around people. How healthy you are is your... Um, gift to others to be a healthy person and your attitude and everything about you. Uh, water is life and health for eternity. It's a solvent and water is a commodity and people have absolutely forgotten how vital it is. Uh, we're learning that the earth cannot survive without it and we're going to learn more each week about how innocent we all have been about uh, the sanitation systems and our health issues with the pipes that are aging and the fact that the bacteria is uh, moving uh, much more uh, commonly than we wish with diseases and symptoms that we all have. And global warming has an issue that we all should want to learn more about and get some answers. Is it just polluting? Is it going to be uh, going without us? Let's learn more about it. And uh, let's learn that 6,000 children die every day because of unsafe water and poor sanitation. I will repeat this. 6,000 children die a day because of unsafe water and poor sanitation. And we think we're modern. We think we've uh, come so far with technology and better education. I don't think enough. I think people are confused. I hope you join me every week and uh, learn to ask questions. We're going to start our Moisture for Life magazine here soon, and we'll have articles in there that we hope that you'll respond to. I really do appreciate you being with me today. I think that Earth has a secret, and I want you to embrace that life, uh, your life. It's in every precious moment. And I know that Earth is whispering from the mountains and from all the lands. Never say goodbye. Have a nice day. Thank you.